got a London and us branched out I've forgotten about London Mr 600 games plus well, Bradley yeah. Johnson thank you for coming on man no problem man thanks for having me um what was life like growing up obviously you've left London and now you're a Midlands that like you're from the Midlands I'd say what was life growing up in London or in East mm. that was good um I had a good childhood growing up obviously with a dream of becoming a footballer. That's all I knew when I was growing up in, you know, on my estate in Hackney, Nightingale Estate, uh, going out on the decks, playing football with everyone. As you do in, when you grow up in the States, that's all you do um, with your friends. Wake up in the morning, obviously go to school, but as soon as you get home from school, go down to the cage and just play football until you get called in by your mum or dad from the flats. But um, yeah, growing up, good childhood. Um, grew up in Hackney. Um, then moved to Leighton when I was 11, 12. Um, and then started secondary school in Leighton and the same. Um, but before before I uh, got into football, I got into football about 10. Okay. I was uh, in a thing called uh, the Imps, a motorbike display team. I don't know if many of you know. Yeah, it was yeah. like um, it was a, like a community thing in Hackney where... Um, Roy Pratty's name was he, he started this thing up for kids from his states to have something to do on a weekend decent and um, my brother joined it uh, when he was probably about 11, 12 so growing up and seeing my older brother um, go and watch him uh, ride a motorbike do stunts on motorbikes that's all I wanted to do okay. from five years old so growing up there I had aspirations of being my brother um so i used to walk around with his helmet on when i was on my pushback used to do all stunts on my pushback my mum and dad were like oh you got to be in the imps so at five years old they put me in the imps which is crazy now you know i've got kids myself now and i think i would never ever send my five-year-old to go on a saturday and go on motorbikes was it like, what because it's dangerous yeah yeah okay. i wouldn't do that like we used to train at, um down at the docklands so um our training facility was just literally a big concrete area with tires like you know the formula one yeah, tires yeah. round stopping us from going dropping into the river thames Mad. so we used to do all the uh performances there but then on a saturday we'd do shows we'd travel the country um go we went on tour to canada we went nova scotia singapore we've done the edinburgh tattoo like, it was a good really good thing and um roy pratt he's been in there for years and i think he got made mbe um by the queen because of what he done in the community um he had kids from five to 16 in the team so um yeah i joined that from five to nine and um i think at nine i was still obviously playing football as well in between yeah. that but at nine years old i had to make a choice nine or ten i had to make a choice because the two clashed so it was either go training with them on a saturday and miss out playing with my local team in Inwood, or give that up and go and play for Inwood. and at 10 years old i chose to go and play for Inwood. you're kind of um, lucky because sorry to cut you you're kind of lucky because um you got to see the world as a youngster, like going mm. to Singapore. Not many people can say they went to Singapore. Even in a football team, not many people could say mm. this the bid to Asia and stuff. So yeah, shout no, out. it was good. It was especially coming not giving a hard knock, sorry, but especially coming from where I come from, um, growing up on the estate in Nightingale. There weren't many kids who, like you said, got out of leaving the estate and stuff. Yeah. And me and my brother were going to Norfolk one weekend, Edinburgh the next weekend to perform with the team. And um, we were lucky in that sense. My mum and dad worked hard to obviously provide that for us um so yeah we were lucky to venture out then and um yeah it was just at that stage i had to make a decision it was motorbikes or football my brother stayed into the team till okay. he was 18 Decent. and um so yeah i chose football so when you move to Leighton, like i work in wolven forest now so i know mm. the bar is quite active if people know what that means um how did you stop yourself from getting in, involved in you know that sort of lifestyle yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard. I went to move to Leighton and I had one year in um primary school. So I went there in year six. And um obviously you get new friends and from there, but at that time when I went moved to secondary school, I just got signed for Arsenal. Okay. So that was my distraction from, you know, my friends were hanging around on the street. I was always training at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. So um it was hard because as a kid you just want to be with your friends. Like, 
Um, I lived on Lee Ridge Road, but my, I went to Kelmscott School after that, which was backed onto Boundary Estate okay, and um, yeah. Thomas Gamble Park. And all my friends lived there. So sometimes in school, you know, you bunk a lesson and we're going to <laughs> Thomas Gamble Park and just chilling out. And yeah. then um, we moved over. Obviously, there's a state across the road called Beaumont Estate. So um, I had the distraction of being at Arsenal. Um, so I was training like two evenings a week, going down to the JVC Centre and training and then playing on the weekend. So I went, I was with my friends when I could be, but like at that young age, my dream was to become a footballer and I was driven on on doing that. So it wasn't really distracting me. There was times where I wanted to go out with my friends and they were saying, oh, we're going to go to the park. And I was like, no, I've got training tonight. I better, can't come. Better. So it was, it was hard, but I think the worst thing for me was when I got released. Um, I was there till I was 15. And in this time, I was in my secondary school and, you know, I weren't an angel in school. I didn't really like school. So every time I got in trouble, I'd, I wouldn't really care. I'd just say to the teachers, I'm going to play football. So I don't really care, which yeah, looking back now is not the right thing to say. Yeah, yeah. But that's how I was. I was a kid with a dream and I believed in myself. So um, at school, I found it not hard, but I had my like challenges in school with teachers and stuff because the way I was and like, I wasn't allowed to play for my PE team. I wasn't allowed to play football at, at my school and the, the teachers didn't like that. What, because of Arsenal? Because of Arsenal, okay. yeah. So um, it come to a stage where I go, go back, like I was getting in trouble at school and instead of the school calling my parents, my mum and dad, they'd call Arsenal. Okay. And try and get me in trouble at Arsenal so I weren't playing at Arsenal. So I remember my PE teacher was on the phone to Roy Massey uh, he was a head of recruitment at Arsenal all the time. And um, at one point, Arsenal, not even the school, Arsenal put me on report. So I had to yeah, come in school with a report, tick all the lessons I went to, get it signed, how I was, my behaviour in the lesson, and then at training, go and give it to Roy Massey. And they were, that's how bad wow. it come because the school were on to Arsenal so much. And I felt that there were times where I didn't play on the weekends because I was misbehaving in school. And then I'd come in on Monday and the PE teacher would be like, hey, you didn't play on the weekend. Wow. So yeah, like that. So, it. yeah, I, it was hard in school, but, you know, being at Arsenal in school, I was like the the main boy in school, like the, of, of of my friends. There yeah. was there was me, a kid called James Walker, um, who played for Charlton. And um, they were a year younger than me and Fabrice Mwamba. Oh, we went to school, yeah? Yeah, okay. so there was us three who were like the golden Charles of, of Kelmscott, you know, we played football. But um, yeah, there come a time where at Arsenal they were handed out the YTSs and I didn't get one at 15. Do you reckon that was because of how you were in school or your ability? No, no, I don't think it was. At, at 15, I was tiny. Okay. I was so small. And back then it was a, a big thing in football, like your height, athleticism. I don't think it is much as now. But back then, I remember I was the smallest in my year. I was the smallest at, at Arsenal. I found it hard. And um, I think... At 15, they were bringing my, my dad in and my brother because my dad said he's got an older brother. He's going to have a growth spurt. They brought in my brother to have a look at him and see if I can wow. grow. Yeah, that's how it was. So I was fine. I didn't have a growth spurt till I was about 17. So um, I got released because maybe I was too small. Maybe I weren't good enough. Okay. Maybe I weren't. It was some good good players in my, in my year group. But um, yeah, it was when I got released, then it, it was hard for me at school because I got released from Arsenal. I went trialling at um, Charlton, Watford. But by that time, they'd already given out their yeah, YTSs yeah. and had their kids. So, like, that rejection hurt me. And um, I remember going into school, again, going back to school, secondary school, and I felt like everyone was laughing at me like, because of the way I was through to year seven, eight, and nine. I was, oh, I don't care about school. I'm going to be a footballer. Yeah, yeah. And then it just stopped. They released me, and then I was just in no man's land. Um, I went back to school. And I thought everyone was laughing at me and then I just rebelled against that. And then I think by that time, the school had enough of me anyway, by the way I was behaving. And like, the next time I got in trouble, they just had enough of me and just excluded me. I got kicked out of school Mad. in year nine. Yeah, so that was hard. And I felt it was a snowball effect. I felt me getting released from Arsenal led me to misbehave more and then get kicked out of school. Yeah, And then... After that, when I got released, I tried to go back to my Sunday league team in Wood. And even then, I went back there and the expectation for me going back there was like, oh, Bradley's coming back. You've got to run we through should, the whole team. Yeah, we're gonna, he's going to be good. And then, touch on my size, I was tiny. And growing up in East London, 
going back to my Sunday league team where it's rough and ready at 15 I was tiny so I found that hard and um, everyone thought I'll, I'll be going back there and I'll, I'll be the Bradley Johnson that I was when I left and yeah. I went I went back there I found it hard it was physical didn't like it and that hurt me as well that rejection that I felt I weren't good enough so for for about two years I just lost interest in football so you see when you're playing with your Sunday league team like obviously they know you mm. they're expecting you to be that guy and you're not are they like calling you shit or like not passing to you are they doing them sort of things or it just um, not so much calling me shit but just the expect when I left when I left Arsenal I was a goal scorer I played up front okay. I don't believe it and I'm not I played up front I scored like 40-50 goals a season I was score for fun at yeah. Inwood and um when I went to Arsenal, I, they put me back more. I played left wing, centre midfield. At academies, you have to play different Every positions. Year. But where I was at Interwood, I was a striker and I'd score. Like our team in Interwood was a joke. Like we had me, Colin Kazim Richards was playing oh, centre okay. midfield. Then we had a kid, Anton Smith, who was good. He was at Palace as a youngster. Charlie Daniels. Um, we had, well, our team was good. And um, so going back there from 10, where I was a main man, I was going to score all these goals to going back there and being a left winger or a centre midfielder and not scoring these goals, finding it hard physically. And it was just, they weren't calling me shit and not passing to me. It was just like, for me and myself, I could tell that they were like looking at me thinking, he ain't that good. How was he at Arsenal for five okay. years? So um, yeah, that hurt. And um, I sort of lost interest in football uh, for two years. So... What were you getting up to? Mm, no, no good. But um, yeah, getting kicked out. So I got kicked out of school. Um, my dad enrolled me in Wolverham Forest College. I've done um, a sports science thing there with Tony Linton and, and Steve. Um, I went there and trained and stuff. But other than that, when I was, when I weren't going to college, I was just, there was about three of us who got kicked out of school at the same time. Yeah. And we'd just go to each other's houses on the day and just chill, go back to our school at lunchtime, see everyone, go back there at 3.30, you know what I mean, how, yeah. how it was, go back there at 3.30 and just meet with our friends <laughs> and not doing nothing really. That's so mad because I bunk school a lot. Like I, where I lived there was a school that I used to like cause trouble at. And then now you said that, I know a guy who got kicked out in like year seven, year eight and he used to turn up at Always his school every back. morning, mm. every after school, get on a school bus thinking, now I'm thinking like, that's mad like, how have you not lived your life? Like, yeah, it's, I don't know why it was. Because they're, they're your friends. You're with them all day at school, every single day, apart from the weekends, obviously. So, yeah, I used to, when I didn't have college, like you said, I used to wake up at eight o'clock and go on the bus and go to my school and meet my friends there who got kicked out as well. Yeah, yeah. And then when the, our friends were going to school, we'd just go around to one of their house, chill, play PlayStation, come back at lunchtime, go and eat lunch with them then leave and then come back at 3.30 and then leave and then go on the estate, go around like to Thomas Camille Park and just just chill and then do the same every day. And then obviously I was going to college some days, but wasn't really taking it serious. And then just ended up, I was 15, 16 there and just, yeah, just being on the streets with my friends. And I sort of enjoyed it because I felt that's where I was loved. I yeah. got that love again. Yeah. Whereas when I was growing up in school, 7, 8, I had that love. And then getting kicked out of Arsenal, getting released from Arsenal, getting kicked out of school, it was like, oh, where am I getting that from? And I got that from my friends on on the estate, just being with them and, um, yeah, hanging around with them and getting up to no good, really. Seems like you just needed to be accepted. Like, Arsenal accepted mm. you and then they released you and now you kind of, like, lost your purpose, mm. seems like. So, like, school's done now. You, now you've got to pick, like, sort of like a career path, what are you going to do at college? Like, what sort mm. of things did you get? Well, what did you actually study at college? So I went, I've done that at Warren Forest for a year, um, the sports science thing, but didn't really uh, like get any grade for it or anything. So I've done that for a year. And then it was a time where my dad was like, what are you going to do now? And um, all my all my family, my dad, my brother, my dad's friends, they're all tradesmen. And my dad said to me, why don't you go and get a trade? And um, I was like, yeah. Like, he's like, what are you interested in? I was like, I don't know. So uh, my dad sort of like gave me a few options and I said, um, I'll do carpentry. And um, I enrolled in college in Lewisham. I went Deptford Bridge College. Bit of a trek, no? Yeah, it was a trek. So, <laughs> and yeah, going back to being on the streets with my friends, that going to Lewisham every day for me was sort of not dangerous, but it was, I was going through like Different estates states, to yeah, get there. Yeah. And it was for me going there by myself at 16, I was getting on the DL, I was getting on 
the overground from Leighton to Stratford, then DLR from Stratford all the way to Deptford Bridge, and then going there. So, yeah, I'd done that for maybe about six months, but it was apprenticeships where you go to college three times a week and then you work, work two yeah. days a week. Yeah. And I never found work. So I think there's only me and one other kid on the course. I know, I never find it easy. <laughs> Another kid on the course who didn't have a job. So then we would have to go to a job centre, um, find job finders centre in yeah. Greenwich. Next so, to the Millennium yeah, Dome. Make, what, the college is making you go to Greenwich? Greenwich. So you're going from Leighton to yeah. Greenwich. Mm. Yeah, so sit there and just be on the phone trying to call up companies. I'm, I'm Bradley Johnson, I'm an apprenticeship in carpentry. Have you got any work for me? And I've done that for about four months. And again, being 16, going there, I didn't ever want to go there. So sometimes I wouldn't even turn up. And um, yeah, so I've done that for maybe six months. But when I weren't obviously working, I was just back in Leighton with my friends, just chilling. And, and, and the thing often. is, you know, like you're in a class, let's say 30, 28 of them are going to college the same as you, but they're working, working. and making, making money mm. and you're not. Yeah, I was on, I was getting EMA money. That was my, 30 quid. So, yeah, 30 pound a week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and that was hard as well. But, um, yeah, seeing them kids, like you say, getting work and I'm, I'm sitting there getting up at 6.30 in the morning, getting a DLR, getting two trains there, going through some rough estates to get there. And, and yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, but I've done that for like six months and then, you know, it was, um, I, I, I was still playing football at the time. I was playing for when we were 16. I don't know if you know, you know Wolven Forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I was there. Like they joined Inter will join up with them. Okay, yeah. And, um, but Wolven Forest went into like a sort of like an academy thing with Barking Abbey. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, um, the, the kids in my age group from Interwood, they, the kids who stayed on, they went to the college. But you had to get GCSEs to get into the college. Okay. I didn't do my GCSEs. Yeah, yeah. I've got not got one grade. So, but the guy there, the coach, Dave Muir said, look, you can't come to the college where the team, again, the team were training every day with each other. Um, he said, you can't come to the college because you ain't got the qualifications, but you can um, train with us on the evening, like a Tuesday and a Thursday. Yeah. So I was going to college during the day, coming back. And then when I could be bothered on a Tuesday and Thursday, I'd go and train. Like there were some nights where I'd come back from college tired yeah. and I'd just see my friends out and just go and hang out with them and I wouldn't go training. So, um, yeah, I was still doing that and sort of like I started doing what they were playing on a Saturday and started doing well. And they would join up with obviously Warren Forest, yeah. the first team, Barking Abbey, and then Warren Forest. And the first team manager saw me and like sort of liked me in training. So the days where... I weren't training with the kids at Barking Abbey. Sometimes I was training with the first team. Oh, decent. So I got in like that. But then, um, yeah, getting back to hanging around on the roads with my friends, I got obviously caught up in the wrong wrong stuff, doing the wrong... I won't, I won't say I was ever in a gang. We were just friends from the estate. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, it's, it's, it's worse now, but got caught up in um, our estate on Catworth Street and I ended up getting rushed and I got stabbed in my legs. And... Um, and what, I you think, got caught like, slipping and got yeah, stabbed? Oh, yeah, basically, okay. yeah. So um, it was silly because we all knew each other. So from the estate where I'm from, there was another estate, I'm not going to say who they were, but another estate who we were just fighting mm. over nothing. We didn't know what we were fighting for. That's the thing. Like the people, like even like now, the people that people were beefing is mm. people they went to school with. Yeah. Like yeah. you know people's exactly mums was. and stuff My, like that. Yeah. yeah. There was a kid who come our school, Kelm Scott, and he come from another estate and then someone didn't like him and then he went and got his friends from his estate and okay. then that's how it all started with us. But then, you know, when you go up to, you know, we, we from Boundary, we sort of like moved to Beaumont Estate and got with the elders there and, and started hanging around there. And then you just get in, like I said, now these kids who are fighting for postcode, yeah, like, what are they fighting for? It's, they don't know what they're fighting for. Like, see, now, like what you just said, you went from Boundary to Beaumont. I don't think that could ever happen now. Mm. I think it's, mm. if you see someone from that estate, it's... it's and it's it's sad because it's only one road that separates Literally. Them. Yeah, literally. So, yeah, it is. And obviously the, the estate that, see, they were fighting with at the time, the same. It's literally five minutes walk down the road. But because you're from a different estate, that's what the kids are fighting for now. And But yeah, it was that. I got caught then and um, got stabbed in my legs because they knew who I was and because they knew I played football. They, they did. targeted oh, okay. my legs. Okay. And um, yeah, it was... Hard for me. I, I said I said I weren't ever in a gang, and I wasn't ever about that. 
like like there was times yeah we'd, I'd be on the estate and there'd be fights happening and stuff but I'd never say I was, I was in a gang people call them us gangs now but we were just friends yeah. from in the state and like they were their friends from another state and yeah so that happened when I was 16 and um I think for me it was like a wake up call um I remember being in the hospital so I went to the hospital I was in the hospital for two days after the operation was um, that bad yeah 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 so it was bad it was inside of my leg so maybe it was a big knife there to operate on my on my on my leg and um I just remember being in the hospital bed and my mum and my dad sitting there and then my nan coming up everyone crying their eyes out and I was thinking obviously police were there asking me what happened and I'm not giving the big answer I didn't snitch but I was scared yeah because I knew who it was they knew who I was we all knew where each other lived yeah. I was just scared so I didn't say nothing I was like I didn't know who it was my granddad was going mad telling me who it is <laughs> you know who it is like my mum and dad knew I knew who it was and I was like no I'm not saying nothing I knew after that day I knew that that was me I'm gonna take football serious now yeah okay. and um yeah you know you go back to the estate and you think all your friends are like all oh, right what we're we gonna do now are we gonna retaliate are we you're gonna get them back and stuff like that and I was like nah like that's me done now. And I think here as well, I always talk to young kids who get released from clubs and everything. And they're like, oh, what what um, would you do? What would you advise us to do like now? Like if we if we really want to try out football, I say, and I always say to them, like, choose your friends wisely. Because, you know, I grew up in a state with a lot of friends and then who I thought were my friends and thought loved me and everything. And then... When I got stabbed, I was at home for two weeks. Not one of my friends come to see me. It's it's crazy, like it's a cheesy story. But the only the two people who come, who come to visit me was my best friend Darren, who I speak to now still, mm. and the girl who I was linking at the time. And it's mad that that girl now is my wife with Better. my three kids. Better. So uh, when that that was a wake up call for me, you know, I thought, oh, these are my friends, these are my boys, and then I was at home. Uh, couldn't get out of bed and not one of them come to visit me. See that? That's the same as like, because I come from a gang background as well. That's the same as like, when someone goes jail, everyone's your friends when you're out. When mm. soon as you go, only a few people check mm. for you, send you money, go and look off, go look, look go check your mum and your dad. Mm. It's like, it's, it's, it's mad. But let's get into football. Mm. Mm. When you, f when you started playing men's football, mm. how did you find it? Because obviously you said you were small and you had a little growth spurt at 17. Did you struggle, not technically, but the physical side of it? Yeah, physical side, yeah. So um, I started back after obviously that incident happened. I got my head down and I stayed at Warm Forest. And there's a guy there called Dave Muir, who uh, I'll speak highly of now because he gave me my chance. My dad spoke to him and um, after the incident, he said, oh, what's Bradley doing? And my dad said to him, oh, can you help him? And um, he said, oh, get him back fit. and um, like if he's taking it serious, we'll we'll put him with the first team straight away. So I got back fit. It took me about two months to get back fit after the incident, and then got my head down and went back training with Wolven Forest, and then broke into the first team. Dave kept it. He said, "Oh, I'm going to push you into the first team." Broke into the first team, and there was in um, the Ryman League at the time, and um, I remember playing my first game. I was so scared. As you said, I was 16 at the time. There, still small. Yeah, and um. Going into men's football, yeah, it was, it was a hard. crowd. It's not yeah. a big crowd, but you've got no, people you don't I was know. playing in front of 30, 40, 50 yeah. people. But um, being so small, I was I was kind of quick when I was, I was younger. I might not believe it now. But um, <laughs> yeah, being that quick little, and I was playing on the wing, okay. playing left wing. So I was getting kicked about. Like, And there was times where, but for me, I learned a lot doing that. Like, I learned at 16, year old, at 16, I learned that. There's a time and place where you can dribble the ball or you've got to pass it otherwise you're getting kicked up yeah, in the air. Yeah. And obviously in that Ryman League, the men, they just look at you and they target you. You think, oh, you're a little, you think you're a little superstar. We're going to show you. And they're literally just kicking me. But I learned so much from it because, as I said, I've always said this now to kids at clubs like who don't want to go out alone and don't want to play. We just want to play in the youth team and then 23 of us. Go out and play men's football. Yeah. Like, it's the best thing for you. And um, yeah, from there... Um, I played a few games in the first team and then Dave Mills sent me for a trial at uh, Cambridge. Um, United. Probably looked out for you, didn't it? Mm, no, he did, yeah. And um, sent me there for a week with another boy who was in the academy from the Barking Abbey thing. And then um, I got invited back. So I went there for one week, got invited back for another week. And then Ricky Duncan, the coach at the time, was like, 
got got my dad up and got Dave Muir up and he said, Oh, we want we want Bradley, but we can't offer him a contract. And um but we can give you like my dad expenses yeah. for bringing him up. What, and, uh, so your dad's got to bring you up every day? No. So he said you can we'll give you expenses to bring him up on a Sunday. Okay. But we'll put him in digs. Oh, so decent, he'll be yeah. living with and in Cambridge, you had one big house and the whole youth team, 16, 17, 18, he's lived in one house and big one brother house house for us. Yeah, so um and as soon as he said that, my dad said to me, Look, like, this is it, you're getting out of London, you're 16, like you don't want to be around here. And I was like, No, I don't want to be around here either. So it was it wasn't even a case of like I was playing for nothing, playing for free. It was just having that chance, that opportunity. And then um so I'd done that. I moved up to Cambridge when I was 17. So is this, did they give you a pro or you or YTS? Like, no, they gave him non-contract. So you and just trained with the, and play yeah, with Yeah, I, I was training and playing with the youth team. So, um, did sorry, did that, did every, was that like known throughout the team that you was on or did you talk about it? Because everyone's secured and mm. you're on a non-contract. I don't think no. I don't think they spoke about it that much because you remember they were sixteen, seventeen, and okay. like, they've grown up from from Cambridge, and I think they their YTs it was like ninety eight pound a week that they were getting. So I remember I, I felt part of it when I was giving them the receipts and they were giving me cash in hand, and I was like, oh, I've, I've been paid like for the lads. <laughs> but no, I don't think it was ever a big thing. Like no one really knew. Um, I was there. I was treated like like them. Like it was it was no different. So um, yeah, I done that when I was seventeen. Lived up there. And, Again, that was a, a shock for me as well. Growing up there, it was, it was different mad. environment, isn't it? Yeah, going from obviously the estate I grew up from, growing up there, Cambridge it is quiet, posh, like all nice. And then even the kids there weren't one kid from London, so there's no one I could re- like relate sort of relate to. to. Yeah. I went there and um, living in the house, and I've never ever lived with like kids or other people. Obviously, my brothers and sisters. Yeah. So was in one room and the where was like oh, that's your bed there top bunk and I was like all right setting my setting my stuff out I was like don't touch my stuff I was proper and like and obviously football banter like, people touch your stuff people yeah. do that yeah. and but I didn't get that so I found it hard for the first few months getting used to living with twenty two lads um, and again going to Cambridge no one from London no one to relate to I look different. Like my haircut was different when I was young. I just had the slits in the eyebrows, and like my hair, my hair was different. I talked different. I dressed different, and it was it was hard for me to not get accepted, but for the the boys to take to me as well. Do did they like? Were they intrigued that you were from London? They asked weird questions because mm. like I live out in the sticks now, and when I'm talking to my teammates, like, oh, does, that, does that really happen? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, like yeah. yeah. It was when I went up there. I tried to not let everyone know where I come from or who I was. I just went up there and got my head down and done my business. And then I think it was about four months into being there that, I don't know how Harry got out, but one of the physios or, yeah, physio found out that I got stabbed. And then he told a player, then the player went back to, and I remember being in the house and everyone was coming up to me like, oh my God, you've been stabbed. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And I didn't really want to talk about it. Like, yeah. oh, it's obviously they watch movies. So they everything, relate everything to... Like you say a, a movie that, that goes on in, in Leighton or in East, East London is like, so what's it like going up in your state? Are they, are they, have you heard a gun? Uh, is there shootings? Is there stabbings every day? And I was like, no, playing I'm, it down. I was like, no, it's I've not been like asked that. if Top Boy, I've been asked by a teammate if Top Boy is real. Yeah, yeah. So we get, I still get that in football now. Like, physios <laughs> come up to me like, oh, Top Boy, you watch Top Boy? Is that, is that where you're from? I was like, just because I'm from London, don't mean I'm from yeah, everywhere. I'll just, I just brush London. off that. Like, yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? But man? yeah, I, I sort of, as you said, I'll try to, keep myself to myself for a while and then that come out and then um they sort of look not look at you differently but it's it's weird because it's like I gained respect from being stabbed yeah. which I didn't really want to I wanted to go there and be respected because I'm a good footballer yeah yeah so um yeah I found it hard for the first three months going there as you said it was a shock for me living out of London um living with these boys being totally different to everyone and um and as you said, the banner in football, I didn't get when I was 17. Going there and being told that I've got to sing and dance in front of the whole team on a Friday. And I was like, there's no it's chance I'm not doing that. <laughs> being told I've got to clean the toilet. My job is clean the toilets and clean boots. And I was like, I ain't doing this. Like, <laughs> it was just them little things, which I understand now. Yeah, They're all gone out of the game now. Like these kids don't clean boots or anything now, which, you know, times have moved on. Like you got to understand it. But for me going there and 
the coach coming up. I remember the, the, the day they told me as well. And you know what it's like when I was like, I'm not doing it. All yeah. the boys were like, I bet you do. I bet you do. I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, I bet you do. I bet you do. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I remember the Friday, come to the Friday and um, had our lunch, gone back into the change room and everyone's in there. First team players as well in there. And I'm like, walked in, I'm like, why's everyone in there? And then they're like, come on, Brad, you're going to dance now. I was like, listen, I told you. And then I started getting angry. I was like, I told you I'm not dancing. And they was like, oh, come on. It's only a minute and sing. I was like, no, I said, I've come here to play football. I ain't come here to perform for you. Like, You're saying this at what, 17? At 17. Mad. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> but I think that sort of helped me in a way because the first team manager was there and he was like looking at me and he, he didn't take it as in, oh, he's been disrespectful. He he felt that I was strong-minded. That if I had an opinion, I'd say it. Yeah. And that's how I was brought up as well, growing up. I always felt that if I felt something was wrong, I'd always say it. And that's what has got me where I am today, I think. Um but yeah, it was the Friday was was horrible. I was I was stood there and literally no, it goes quiet. The rooms, everyone's looking at me. I'm looking at the coach, and the coach is like, for a minute thinking, oh, he's gonna do it. I'm like, Ricky, I'm not doing it. Did you I'm do like, it? No, <laughs> I'm not doing it. So then he was like, oh, Brad, come outside and talk to me. So then he pulled me outside. The, the lads got on with it or whatever. No, I did I did sing. Yeah, I didn't dance. What I was standing there and dancing for a minute. But like he he took me out. And sort of explained it to me. Okay. Said, "Oh, Brad, look, this is something we do in football." I, was like, I didn't know. He's like, "Yeah, this is something the boys do. It's like initiation to get you in with it." And I was like, oh, "I didn't know that. I thought like it was just me." He's like, "No, everyone's done it." And and then he's like, "I was like, he's like, oh, can you do it? Like the, the the lads will like you for it." And I was like, "The lads like me anyway, so I don't need to sing." <laughs> and uh, he's like, "No, it's just just something we do in football." And I was like. All right then, fair enough. Give me a week and I'll get a song. Better. And um, so I done it the following week. What did you sing? I sang um, Usher. What did I sing? Seven o'clock. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. And again, they were like, "What song is this?" Like the boys <laughs> from Cambridge. You know what I mean? They didn't know them songs, but yeah, um, I done it a week after, and um, sort of like I had to adapt really. From I had to get rid of this. Not I didn't have an attitude, and. Um, and that's what I see and now in football coaches and people higher up think kids have got attitudes. It's not attitudes, it's just the way, the way you've been brought from, up. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get rid of this sort of like attitude. I had to buy into the way they do it rather than where I've been growing up. And I said banter-wise, like I've gone up there and in football now, it's crazy that that, that young age, everyone was talking about each other's mums and dads. Like in school, if anyone spoke about your mum, you're fighting. Your face, yeah. So I went up there and people were like, oh, your mum's this, your mum's that. I'm like, you're going to let them talk to you like that? And they're like, ah, I'm like, nah, if someone says that to me, like we're fighting. And that's it. So I had to adapt to it. And I've done that. And um, yeah, and I think that being having that attitude where I went with the first team when I was young. So 17, I was there for, I was only there for six months. Okay. But I broke into the first team. And then when I got into the first team, I was obviously with that attitude where I was hungry and I didn't care who you were. If we're going in for a tackle, I'm going to smash it. I don't care what first team player. And I thought the, the French manager there, Hervé Renard, sort of liked that about me. And the first team players like that as well. Because okay. I've been in, well, I'm a first team player now, where young lads come up and I will smash one of the star players. And everyone's nuts. like, well, the manager will be like, what are you doing? Calm down. <laughs> like, but when I went into the first team, it was just, I just saw you as a opposition player who's standing in my way. And, you know, I trained hard. I trained how I played. And um, I think he liked that uh, in me and he brought me into the first team a lot more and he gave me my debut Decent. at Cambridge. It was it wasn't like an easy season because you got relegated. Relegate, like the team got yeah. relegated. Was it like was it te was there tension in the change like in the at the training ground and stuff like that? Maybe, but for me I didn't see that because I'd never been in that environment before. I was just there training, trying to play, and I was just happy to be there. Yeah. As you said, I wasn't getting paid or nothing, but I was just happy to be there, being in and around the first team environment, going to league matches, just travelling on the bus, making teas for the first team players, not even getting on the bench. Like I was happy being there yeah. doing that. And um, so I didn't really see that. It was only towards the end where relegation was confirmed that I saw how hard it hit players and staff, like people were losing their jobs oh, yeah, and, and stuff like that. So that's when I realised how big a thing it was. But then, yeah, because I was on a non-contract, um, they got relegated. I could just leave for free. Yeah. So um, I remember the last month of the season, Ricky Duncan, the coach there, like, who I got a lot of respect for as well, 
I don't know if he's there now, he won't get in trouble for this anyway, but um, Southend and Northampton wanted me. And um, he come up and told me, I was like, all right, then. Was like, that off the back of the one appearance or? No, like playing youth team oh, okay, games yeah, right, and they okay. know that I'm out of contract. So they know they can get me for free and yeah. like, I've not got a contract there. So they wanted me to go, Southend wanted me to go and train with them for a week. And then Ricky Duncan was like, oh, what do you want to do? I was like, yeah, I want to go. He's like, I don't know how we can get there around it. He's like, all right, what I'll do is I go home this weekend, call up sick on Sunday and say you're ill for a week and then go there um, for a week and train with them. Yeah. So done that. My dad took me to Southend every day, training with them. Uh, went there for a week. Then the following week, I come back and he was like, Northampton, when you got there for a week, we do the same. So I've done that. Better. Went to Northampton, done that. And then um, they both offered me contracts. Um, and then this was, was 17, 18 now. And um, like this was when I was getting paid now. So like they were money, like South End offered me more money than Northampton. Like it was £250. And I was like, fucking, I'm like buzzing, I've made it. Rare, rare. So, um, but South End could, South End offered me more money, but they, um, I'd had to live at home in London. And you didn't want to... Yeah. And then, obviously, I didn't want to go back there. I just spent seven months, like, getting my head down, working hard. But then Northampton offered me a contract, but gave me a flat. And then my dad was like, well, yeah, Northampton. No and, choice. Um, yeah, no choice. <laughs> I think, I think even think South End were in, a, were in League One at the time, and Northampton were in League Two. But it wasn't about what leagues or, or money. It was just, like, another opportunity for me for to go get out of London and get my head down and play football, which I love doing. So, yeah, signed for... The end of that season when Cambridge got relegated, so, I left for free and then signed for did Northampton. You, did you at this point, like when you're signing a contract, you're getting paid? Do you think I'm a footballer now? Eighteen years old. It, it was more got your own not, flat. Yeah, yeah. Having my own flat, like was like wow, like not I've made it, but like this is what I want. Yeah. Like, and um, it was more, more more my brother really. He was more proud of me. He's like, you just signed the first professional contract. You're getting paid, and I was like. It's it's not, not I ain't done nothing yet. Like I've just signed the contract. I ain't played a game for them or anything. Yeah. So I went until like I went there. I didn't know if I was go I signed a pro contract, but I didn't know if I was going there and I was going to be with the first team. Or I was going to be with a youth team yeah. or reserves or whatever. So it went until like, I sort of made my debut and played and felt like I was a first team player. I went there, but still I was still young. I was like eighteen and I was with the first team every day. And obviously the kids in the youth team were the same age as me and they were looking at me like I'm a pro and I was looking at them thinking I'm just the same as you yeah, like, yeah. I'm not any different quite modest then isn't it yeah I am, I am modest my, my my brother and my dad always said that about me that I'm modest even now like you know I've I've done everyone says I've, I've had a good career but I just think like, I've done okay I've done alright 600 games is nine mm, to... yeah I know yeah <laughs> mm. um again moving from Cambridge to Northampton you're 18 New people, not to impress, but new people to get to know. Another mm. sort of new cult culture, because different areas. How are you handling that? How are you handling yourself in the change room? Like, what are you like at eighteen in a men's first team change room? Yeah, again, um, I think the learning experiences I got from Cambridge helped me massively because I knew what I was getting in for to really. Because yeah. being being around the first team at Cambridge, I knew sort of what I was getting in for. I knew how to get the banter a little bit. I knew. If I had jobs, I didn't have a job because I, I was signed as a pro, but I knew if they wanted me to do a job, I knew that it was part and parcel of growing up in football. Yeah. So that experience at Cambridge helped me a lot. So I went there and I, I was just, just myself. And I think when I went to Northampton, there was a few more Londoners there, which helped me out a yeah, lot as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, going there, um, I knew what I was going in for and I just enjoyed it. Just, you know, it was another opportunity to play league football and get my head down and work hard. And I found living by myself the hardest. Okay. Cooking, Cooking for myself. <laughs> yeah, I've never, ever cooked before in my life. And these are like, these are the times where like delivery and all of that, you got to go to the shop yeah. and mm. get a takeaway and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah, it was hard. I was always on the phone to my mum. Mum, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I'd go home every weekend, um, bring my washing home. i never done washing or anything like that. So it was hard living by myself. Um, but, you know, that that I grew up so quick doing that. Um, it was the best thing for me, uh, living by myself at 18, uh, having my own flat. Didn't have bills to pay though, Northampton paid the oh, bills yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But just living by myself and relying on myself. Whereas at Cambridge, I was in the house with 22 players. I was never late because... 
they were always there, wake up and stuff. Whereas when I lived by myself, I had to make sure I was up, going to training, getting there early and like at night time, making sure I'm getting the right sleep and stuff like that. Didn't you ever say to your missus, come up and live with me or? She was at uni at the time. Oh, okay. okay. So, um, yeah, she, she would spend three years at uni. She come and live with me for my last six months at Northampton. Um, but before then, yeah, she was at uni. Um, and, um, but even from being at Northampton, I still, I, I wasn't there. I had to go out alone. So I went out alone to a Gravesend in Northfleet. Okay. And, how'd, um, how'd you find that? Yeah, that was good. Really good. I, um, I said, I, I went to Northampton and was with the first team, played maybe one or two um, games and I found it hard. Um, and then got interest from conference side to go out on loan. I didn't know the club, didn't know who Gravesend and Northfleet were, but it was a chance for me to play men's football. And my dad was always on at me about playing men's football. Yeah. It not matter who you're playing in front of. And I say this to kids now, it doesn't matter where you're playing, what level you're playing at, as long as you're playing men's football, and it don't matter if it's in front of 30 people or 30,000 people, like there could always be one, one person in that 30 people. And it happened to me, like at Cambridge, at uh, Warm Forest, that I was lucky enough that someone from Cambridge was there watching. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, um, she didn't move up till my, my last year in Northampton, but I think at that time you didn't, I was 18, I didn't really want to be living <laughs> with my girlfriend. Fair. Um, you see the loan, was it something you asked for or was it like something you was told to like told to do? No, something, at that time I, I was told, it was told. Um, as I said there, I'd only been there about three or four months and um, they come in for me and obviously Colin Caldwell at the time um, come up to me and my agent and my dad was like, oh, um, these are coming for you. And then it was a case of, as I said, my dad's always said to me, if you can play. Yeah. And um, they come in for me. They wanted me. So always go somewhere where you're wanted. And um, I went down there. And again, that experience for me was unbelievable. Um, again, it really woke me up to how lucky. As I said, I'm very modest. So I didn't understand the position I was in yeah. at Northampton. But when I went to Gravesend, it really woke me up and showed me the real world because they were part-time. They were, some of them were full-time, some of them part-time. Okay. So I was training there full-time. So I was training there every day. So, but then again, I had come back and I lived at my mum and dad's in Leighton. And then I was traveling to yeah. Grayson. So I was training there every time, but then half of the team were part-time. So they'd only train on a Tuesday evening and a Thursday evening and then okay. play on a Saturday. Yeah. And then um, what, what, what really like, woke me up was we're playing away on a Tuesday night like say Halifax away or something miles away and um getting on the coach after and all like the full I'm at the back with with a few like, mucking about listening mm. to music or watching DV being loud and um you've got the lads no way of like bringing sleeping bags sleeping on the middle aisle of the way you walk they got and shut up because yeah. we've got work in the morning I'm like wow and like you don't realize that like, these players are playing to pay their mortgage and like supply for their family and, yeah. and I'm there at Northampton like sitting and that really made me realise how lucky I was in the position I am in because there was people there playing for their livelihoods and I was there on loan from a professional club and um just learning my trade. And um But you see that yeah you're still playing for your livelihood like you've still got yeah. to make money you've still got obviously you're in a better position because you're at a pro club but they're probably on more, a lot more money than you at that time as well. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I'm on 18. They got families, and you know, yeah, what I mean, they're yeah. they're waking up. So they're waking. They we were playing obviously eight o'clock kickoff, finished at ten. Halifax miles away. They're not getting back till one, and they got wake up at six, seven yeah. for work. And then even when we're training with them in the evenings, they're coming training, and like a few of the senior boys who are full time are digging into them in training. Going, Fucking come on, and they're like. Just done a six hour shit, shut the fuck up, like, do you know what I mean? And it was like, it woke me up to realise I am in a good position. Yeah. And it, if if anything, it drove me on to not sound bigger, but not ever be in that position, do you know what I mean? It yeah. drove me on to like say I'm lucky enough to be here now, but you know, I could easily just drop back there. So it pushed me on yeah, to... Yeah, I don't want to be like so, Joe yeah. Bloggs. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so after the loans, new manager comes in, start playing mm. every game. What mm. are you thinking? That was, yeah, it was good because... After that, it was I went on loan to Stevenage. After okay, that, yeah, and I went there for a month, done well, and um, had a, we had a good team there. I think we had George Boyd, Nurse, Steve <laughs> Morrison. I used to work for Nurse. Did you? Yeah, yeah, we had a good team there, and I went there for a month, loved it. And um, the manager, 
Steve Tilson. Yeah, Steve Til he wanted to buy me. So well, Steven is manager. Yeah. And I wanted to go there. Like because I enjoyed playing with the boys. I was playing it week in, week out. I was only there for a month. And um I wanted to go. So yeah. then I come back to Northampton. They got the new manager, Stuart Gray. And um he was like, the 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 club are getting bids from Stevenage and the club are like, oh, we're gonna accept it. And um they uh Stuart Gray said, Well, if a club want you so bad, like why are you not playing here? Yeah. Let me have a look at you. So I trained for two days with Northampton. Um I had a chat with Stuart Gray. He was like, No, I want to have a look at you, train two days. And then on the Saturday we had tried me away and he played me. And after the game he said, You're not getting nowhere, you're staying. And I played every single game underneath him. Decent. Leeds, let's mm. jump to Leeds. Mm. Why Leeds? Like, because when you signed, there were minus 15 in mm. it. Yeah. Like, why? If you drive into Leeds training ground and see the, and not even the training ground, just the history of Leeds, like a club like Leeds being interested in you. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about the 15 points deductions or anything or being in League One. When I went up there and saw the training ground um, and the stadium and Dennis Wise being the manager was a big draw. Um, when I drove in that state and in the training ground um, in Weatherby for Parch, it was... Is it mad, yeah? Oh, obviously, from where I've come from, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cambridge, Northampton, no disrespect to them, but this was a proper club. Take out what league they were in at the time and whatever was going on with the club. When you drove in that training ground, it was like a wow moment. You think, wow, this is it. I've made it. Like, this is where I want to be. And Dennis Wise a Londoner himself, just sold the club to me. And there's a few Londoners there, had Jermaine Batford, Trezor okay, Candor, yeah. I met them. And um, yeah, it was a no-brainer for me at the time. See, they bought you, right? Mm. Like, mm. what are you thinking then? Like, someone's paying money, like, you yeah, remember, that's, you're modest, yeah. someone's paying money for you. That's when it That's when it sunk in, really. Um, as I said, I always go back to oh, where I've come from and stuff like that. For someone to pay money for me, it was like, not again, I'm modest, I'm going to say, oh, I've made it. I've never, ever said that. But for someone to believe in me, to actually pay money for me, what I've been through from 15, getting released and starting again, going all the way through to the conference, going out on loans and stuff. And for someone to pay money for me, yeah, it was it was a surreal, like, pinch yourself moment. And not so much of, oh, I've made it, but this is, like, I'm a footballer now. Yeah. This is it. Someone, um, someone told me to ask you, how did you feel when Delph, how old was he? Eight, was 18. 18, when he took 18. your shirt, basically, mm. and you couldn't get in. Yeah, I know. You know what? Everyone makes a big deal out of it because I had to go out alone. But me and Delph, I still speak to him now. We were like best friends. I lived with him okay. at Leeds. And it was a, I don't know why it got made a big thing. I think the, the manager at the time, Gary McAllister, uh, come out and said, oh, yeah, Bradley's not happy because Delph's come in and, and took his shirt. And so that's why I went out alone. But it weren't. Um, yeah, it was hard. But, it's football and it's uh, opinions. Gary, Gary McAllister at the time preferred playing him ahead of me. And yeah, rightly so. He was unbelievable. He was the best at that time, the best youngster I've seen come through. Okay. And um, again, for me, I weren't going to sit there because I said before, my dad always said, go out and play. I wasn't going to sit there and not play when I knew clubs were interested in me and I could go out and play. So yeah. I asked out on loan. I said, look, to Gary McAllister, I said, I'm not going to play. Fab's got my shirt. Can I go out on loan? He was like, oh, in an if it's right. And I was like, no, I want to go out on loan. So I went out on loan, played 10 games for Brighton, scored five goals, done well. Not bad. And then come back and he'd left, got the sack. And then played a few games that season with Delph. Um, I played on the left, he played centre midfield. And um, he got sold at the end of that season. And um, got back in. Yeah, and then I got back in. Come back, um, Sam Grayson come in and come back in, played every game underneath him and got promoted to the championship. You see that, yeah? Because when he come in, they were buying players and you got players on big money and mm. stuff like that, but you're still playing ahead of him. Are you thinking, like, you're not getting my shirt? Like, mm. this is, this is that, my that was That was not the main reason I left, but that was a big factor of why I left Leeds because I was playing week in, week out. <clears throat> I was coming to the end of my contract playing week in, week out. As you said, they were buying players, yeah. putting them on. And again, for me, it's not about the money, but it's just about feeling part and being on parity with what everyone else is. If you're playing every week, you need to be paid like you're playing yeah. every week. Do you know what I mean? So um, they were bringing in players and see, I was 
in front of them. They couldn't get my shirt off me. I was coming to the end of my contract. It was time to negotiate a new contract. And I just said, I want to be what this kid's earning. I want to be on more or the same or what this kid's earning. And then Ken Bates was like, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, he's been an arsehole about it. Like, no. And then I was like, he's like, this is what we're offering you. And I was like, well, I'm not signing it. And um, yeah, it, come, it, it, it got ugly at least towards the end with me and the chairman. Yeah. But then I thought the, the fans sort of towards the end understood. You know, I remember we played Crystal Palace at home and um, in his program notes, he'd come out and hammered me, the chairman, saying, oh, I'm being greedy. I'm doing this. All I want is more money stitched and stuff. And up. I wouldn't, yeah, stitch me up and all the fans. I come off injured and all the fans were booing me. I was saying, you're greedy and, and stuff like that. Then I come out and said my part. Yeah. And then the fans sort of understood. And I always said that I want to play here, but it's got to be right for me and my family. And um, Ken Bates was not having it. And then towards the end, Leeds fans were like, sign him up, sign him up. And I wanted to stay there. But, you know, and then at the end of that, I, I saw out my contract. And even Simon Grayson was wanting me to sign. And I was like, that fucking like, he was like, I can't do nothing. Mm. It's Ken Bates. But then again, Ken Bates threatened me with, if you don't sign this, we're going to put you on a transfer list. And I was like, said to the manager, well, he's saying that. And he was like, look, if you're doing well, I'm going to play you. My my job is to do the best for Leeds. And I'm yeah. the manager, I've got to do the best for Leeds. So I got put on a transfer list and he still played me. So I got a lot of respect for Simon Grayson for doing that. And then towards the end of the season, Norwich come in for me, Premier League. and got to go, yeah, yeah, I got to go, yeah. I see at that point, yeah. What's the conversation you're having with your dad? Like, dad, like, I've done it. I'm in the Prem. No. No? No, not really. Again, me being, I'd never, when I signed for Leeds, I never made it at Leeds until I played. So when I signed for Norwich, I never done anything until I played. Yeah. I was like that the day before my debut. I remember <laughs> it. I was, I was so nervous. I didn't phone. The only person I phoned was my dad. So I remember, obviously, you do the team the day before. I'd done the team. We were playing Stoke. The first game of the season, I didn't play Wigan away. And then the first game of the season, we played a home game. We played Stoke and I was in the team. I remember literally as soon as the team sheet went up, like the, when we're doing practice on a Friday and I was in it, I was like, oh my God, I'm making my Premier League debut tomorrow. And then done training, ran in from training, got tired, <laughs> got in the car, phoned my dad, like, dad, I'm playing tomorrow. And then he was buzzing my brother. Didn't phone no one because... I didn't want everyone phoning me saying, oh, get me tickets and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So I just told my dad. And um, yeah, I remember waking up in the morning, driving in, and we were playing Stoke as well. And at this time in the Premier League 2000, and Stoke were huge giants. So I remember being in the tunnel. It's like Rory the Lap times, yeah? Rory the yeah, Lap, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Zonzi, all them big yeah. boys. And um, yeah, so not so much when I signed for Norwich that I was like that, but when I played my first game, I was like, right, this is okay. it. Now. Like, I played in the Premier League. It was only two games after that that I scored my first Premier League goal. And again, that was that's a real moment for me. No, that makes sense. Like the way you say it has how you don't brag until you've actually mm. played a game because yeah. you've got a lot of young pros now haven't played a first team game, but on big money and they walk mm. around like I'm the big I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to diss Norwich, yeah. There are a club that tends to go down quickly. But when you look, when you was there, you stayed mid-table, yeah. finished mid-table for like two seasons straight. Mm. What was the secret? First first season was the manager Paul Lambert. He was he was crazy. Like we were he was literally a manager was like if they score four goals, we were scoring five. And we we began away to Man City and he's like, it's a myth. They're just eleven players. You you're better than them. And is this like, is this money Man City or this is mm, yeah, Torres, Silvers, Aguero's. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um we got Man City where he's like, it's a myth, you're better than them. And we were like Gaffer, I don't think we are, but <laughs> like, he gave you that belief. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm, and I'm sitting here saying it's easy. Like we were going into games like Manuel away, Arsenal away, and thinking we can win, we've got a chance. Yeah. And then obviously at home when you're playing like the, the lesser teams in the league, he gave us that belief and we just went and, and we were fit. We just blew teams away. And um, it was good that first year where he was so attacking. The fans loved it. The players loved it. Mm. Even the players who weren't playing, like Lambert had a thing with, like how his management skills was, he was really good with the whole team. And um, the first year was exciting. And then second year, we signed Chris Hewton. Okay. And um, I think he he was good. I played every single game underneath Chris Hewton. I liked him. But I think what was hard for him was because he's more of a, like a defensive manager. Whereas going from Paul Lambert to Chris Hewton, the fans didn't really like it that yeah, much. Yeah. So he found it hard. But then we finished mid-table with Chris Hewton. So... 
you know, he gets jobs done and everywhere he's been, he's been promoted. Like, I know he might be having a hard time at Forest now, but he's been promoted at every club he's been. But I think going from the exciting football to what we were playing, where we were going to Man City away and not caring if we concede five because we're going to try and score six, <laughs> it never happened. But whereas like Chris Hewitt will be going there and like we're not conceding more than three and setting up like that. So, okay. but yeah, no, the, the three season we had in the Prem, we done, we done well, I enjoyed it. How did you deal with, like you yourself, how did you deal with the relegation? Because like, that, I'm guessing it, it affects your money as mm. well. Mm. Like you're back, you're not playing at the top level. Mm. How did you deal with it? Yeah, it was, it was tough to take. Um, you know, being in the Premier League and as I said, when I made my debut thinking this is where I want to be now and you know um, it was hard to take um, I wanted to stay in the Premier League I had opportunities to stay in the Premier League and, and leave Norwich but I didn't um, but again the, the the change room we had the lads we had were were good lads and you know we we stuck together and we said every every player that stayed that year had been in League 1 League 2 and okay. uh, worked their way up so I go back to Paul Lambert when I signed for him. I said, "Are you signing anyone else?" And he said to me, "You won't, you know, you won't know anyone that I sign." He's like, "I'm not signing all these players who have been there, done it. I want young, hungry players like yourself." So that that's why we done well as well because mm. that whole team in the first year in the Prem had never played in the Prem, so we were getting in like buzzing about it. Like everyone wanted to stay there. So um, getting relegated was hard, but most of the lads who got relegated with us had been in the Championship. Okay, so we so. knew what it was like, and we knew it was going to be hard it's easy sitting here and saying oh we knew we were going to get promoted because we didn't um, but yeah it was hard again it affects everybody you say it affects everyone um, that status of being a Premier League footballer gets taken away from you and you're back in the championship and um, but no we we believed we were going to get go back up and we'd done that lucky enough but yeah. then I left you see that yeah I know you, you I think you said outside you didn't want to leave but getting bought for six mil Mm. isn't coming from Leighton and being worth six more isn't yeah, yeah. nothing to and again being worth that and then a club breaking their transfer record for you yeah, yeah it was a it was again a surreal moment for me and a, like a proud moment for my family yeah and again like you said where I come from to be bought for that amount of money it was like and being their transfer record but then that come with a lot of weight um, the expectation that Derby fans had of me coming off the season I had with Norwich best season I've had in my life yeah. scoring 15 goals getting player of the year getting promoted and then going into a derby team who didn't play the way Norwich played had several managers with different ideas like I found it not hard because football is it's not easy but I was used to the championship but we played a certain way at Norwich which suited me uh, where I went to uh, derby with the price tag six million pound and I'm going to get them promoted and um they played a total different way to Norwich. But yeah, being bought for that amount of money was like surreal. You see that, yeah? When So when you finally lift up the Derby shirt and all of that, oh, yeah. are your friends from young, like say the boys that weren't around, are they coming back trying to holler at you and stuff like that? Way before that. Yeah? From, yeah, from when I was made it in the Premier League. Oh yeah, so yeah. Yeah, so um, it was a thing even, so when I was in the Premier League, my mum and dad, they don't live in Leighton anymore, but they did. So when I go home and... um. I'd literally just want to go home and see my mum and dad and, and, and go out and see my family close. But then obviously where I lived, I had to drive through the estate and stuff mm -hmm. and everyone, I'd stop and look, they're my friends. I grew up with them. I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't know you no more. But it was always a case of, oh, you don't check for me no more. <laughs> and it's it's not that I don't check for you. It's just that I've grown up. Yeah, like, I've grown and this is what I want to do now. Like, I'm playing football. And um, yeah, it was more when I was in the Premier League. But then, you know, when I, whenever I played London... I'd get the calls and I'd always sort them out tickets. Yeah. I had a lot of friends come to every London game when I was at Norwich, I had the most tickets for. And um, yeah, there was about 30, 40 people coming to the wow. games. Yeah, so, and then obviously cup finals, I've been in playoff finals and yeah. everyone wants to come out to them. But yeah, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm used to. You know, I don't, like you said, I don't hold any grudges for my friends because I grew up with them. I still call them my friends, but I just went in, in another direction. direction yeah. yeah. Um, how did you deal with Lampard? Because obviously you growing up, you're watching it. Well, you're playing same time as him. He's Chelsea winning mm. Champions Leagues and now he's your manager. Are you guessed? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember being away pre-season and getting a call that he's our manager. And I was like, nah, nah, nah you're bantering. <laughs> and then it got confirmed. And I was like, 
I was buzzing. To go. I was on holiday and I couldn't w- wait to go back in pre-season. And then I remember going back in pre-season and obviously I played against him before yeah. and stuff like that. And he's one of the best midfielders the Premier League I've ever had. And being a midfielder myself, you always look up to midfielders like him, Scholes and Gerrard were the three players in the Premier League that I looked up to. And um, going in and him greeting you at the door and knowing you're, like he's calling me by my name. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, Frank Lampard, like he knows me. And then obviously playing for him and stuff. It was, it was good. But then again, I think sort of where I'm an older probably that, that wore off within like a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a footballer. He's my manager. He's not Frank Lampard anymore. Like for me, like over the two weeks, he was Frank Lampard. And everyone, everyone would be like, oh, what's Frank Lampard like? And I was like, he's just my manager. Right? So yeah, it was, it was good uh, playing uh, underneath him. And he knew the game inside out, man. He 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 was he was good tactically. Yeah. Mm. He didn't. He kind of fell out of him, didn't it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I had a falling out. Um, I got banned. I think it was my own doing. Anyway, I got banned for biting. <laughs> yeah. I got uh, done five games. I remember. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why did you bite him? Why? I yeah. don't know. It was just. <laughs> Just a melee happened on the pit handbags. I got put in a headlock, Joe Allen, <laughs> and he was strong, had me down. I couldn't get out of it. And my, my fighting instinct just kicked in and I couldn't punch him or anything. And his neck was near my mouth. And I just, I didn't actually bite him, but his shirt was in my mouth. So <laughs> I kind of like was gritting my teeth and squeezing and, and come out and the camera caught me with uh, his shirt in my mouth. But I got done for five games for that. And then obviously when you're, and in football, you're not available for selection. You you sort of like get put on the back burner, which is understandable. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna be a part of this team for five games, so I don't expect you to concentrate on me. But then I come back from my ban, and um, I wasn't in the squad for the first two weeks, and then I thought acceptable, like that's punishment. Like, I get on with it. I just yeah. train, get my head down, and then we play Southampton in the FA Cup, and um, I thought, oh, it's FA Cup. I'm gonna play. But then, then they play youngsters, like 19 year olds, and put them on the bench and I weren't even on the bench. So then it was like three weeks after my band that I didn't say anything. I just got my head down and I was thinking, like, have I done something like wrong yeah. now? And I was like, three weeks is enough. I was like, no, I'm not having this now. I'm going to go and see the gaffer. So um, I went and seen him and um, pulled him in his office. I was like, gaffer, what's going on? And um, it was like, um, oh, your, your, your standards in training um, ain't been good. And I was like, well, like, what? I'm not a mind reader. You just told me. Yeah. And um, I was like, look, I, I don't think they were. I have to agree to disagree. And he was like, no, your your, your standards in training have, have been uh, dropped since you've come back from your ban. I was like, well, like, I'm not a mind reader. You should have told me. And, you know, after that conversation, he, like, took um, responsibility as well. He said, like, I should have pulled you. And, um, fair play to him yeah, yeah. Fair, he did say oh, I should have pulled that conversation me and you had it really helped me um, and yeah I said to him okay I'll get my head down and work hard in training done that and then two weeks later I was back in the team um, it switched away and I played every single game underneath him after that decent, decent so I think for him he was still learning on the job you know it was his first job and me now I've done my coaching badges as well and I know that don't matter what you've done in your playing career, coaching or managing, it's, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. It don't matter who you are. And, you know, he'd, he'd say he learned a lot um, that year, that season at Derby, and we done well as well to get to the player final. Yeah. Um, now you're at Blackburn, being a senior being a senior player, do you find, like, the youngsters coming up to you asking you advice or do you, like, vice versa, do you go up to them and say, do I think, this, Yeah, do I think I, I go up to them, I think. I think I've always, I've, I've, I've always been good with the young lads, um, because obviously the way I come up through football and I had to work hard, I've always tried to keep the young lads like level-headed and, and grounded. And I've got a good relationship. Every club I've been at with the young lads. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's surreal for me now. I don't feel old, but I am old in football. I'm 34 yeah. years old. I'm the oldest at our, at our club. Don't feel it. But yeah, when like last year we had like Harvey Elliott, who come from Liverpool and he was like unbelievable. But, you know, he'd always listen to me. He'd come up to me and ask me questions as well. And Better. I feel... Not like privileged, but I feel like I get respected by the young lads for what I've done in the game. Like you said, there, I don't really see. Oh yeah, I've played six hundred and plus games. I don't really see that as like a big thing now because I'm still playing. Maybe yeah. when I finish, I'll look back at it and say. But 
like for the little kids, like the young kids, they look up and think, oh my God, he's played 600 games. So they come up to me and talk. And I said, I'm open. I'm always happy to help oh, these young decent. kids. Man. So you mentioned coaching. Is that what you're looking to get into when you're finally hang them up? Yeah, I think it's all, football's all I know, really. Okay. Um, and I think I've, I've, when my last year at Derby, I started doing the under 15s and under 12s and enjoyed it. Um, I think I'll go into coaching, but start at the young kids um, because. I feel now in in nowadays in football, I think it's not even the coaching is not even the hardest part. I think it's just being a good person, yeah. like a mentor, like a teacher. And um, I think I've seen it with so many kids. Like they just kids nowadays are just expected to come up and turn up and, and train and play to their best ability. But not many people ask the questions of what's going on behind the scenes, like. Like and kids getting four buses to get to training, they turn yeah, up late, yeah, and yeah. the coaches like, "Why are you late?" But they don't know why. Like, do you know what I mean? And like at Derby, uh, there was a few kids there who had to sit down and, and talk to. Him. I was like, "What's happening?" He's like, "Ah, oh, um, my mum's works. He's he's got a, a younger brother. I have to pick up from school, take him home, feed him, and I've got to come to training. I live in Nottingham. It's, it's half an hour away, and I'm getting late. And I'm like, all right, you have to understand these kids. And um, I think I can relate to most of the kids like this. Yeah, and um. But again, coaching-wise, when I was coaching the 12s and 15s, the difference, like, I enjoyed with the 12s. I'd walk in the changing room, I'd be like, all right, boys, and they'd be like, John, how are you doing? Like <laughs> then I'd go into the 15s and 16s, I'd be like, all right, boys, and like, mm, mm. <laughs> or they're on their phones. Yeah. They don't want to be like the teacher's pet or pet up to me. But I think I learned a lot in that year coaching. I think, as I said, it's, it's something, it's all I know of football, and I want to stay in it, really. Nah, decent. Nah, Bradley, 600 games later. Thank you for mm, coming on, man. No Thank problem, you for sharing. No problem. Anytime. Uh, quick fire round. Um, Favourite player? Ian Wright. That's different. Um, most skillful player you faced? David Silva. Favourite pre-match meal? <laughs> I get hammered for this. I have... One slice of toast, beans and a poached egg, and then porridge and Nutella with a slice of toast with Nutella in it. That's, that's what you had before a game, yeah? I've had that for 15 years. <laughs> um, biggest adrenaline rush you've had in football? Winning the player final Better. at Wembley. Better. Um, what's your superstition before a game? I do my left side before my right. Yeah? Like everything. So I put my left sock on. Put my left shin pad on, put my left boot on, then put my left right sock on, right shin pad, right boot. <laughs> Mad. Mad. Worst trainer, but best on a match day? <sighs> Grant Holt. Uh, um, most embarrassing moment? In football? In, football. in a match? Oh, in football. Most embarrassing moment. Sunderland away, getting Megs on the halfway line by assessing Cessin Young, and then he went and stuck in the top bins. Oh. It got replayed on <laughs> Premier League for about four months, man. Um, what's your go-to initiation song? <sighs> Only Fools and Horses. I don't even know that one. Too, you know um, you know not really, I'm not really my type of show. Any regrets? None. 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 Thank you for coming on, man. No problem.